Oh no. That's oh. a problem. The whiskey's mine. I assure you, I can kill you from way over here if it makes you feel any better. All right, and we're getting started here tonight on Live Long on Podcast as we continue our three and a half year journey through the Deep Space Nine episodes. I'm Dave Mater, joined tonight by uh, my brother Jeff and our friend Jamil Robinson. How are you guys doing? Good. We're talking well. se- season one, episode 13, Battle Lines. Uh, they came out on April 25th, 1993. And, uh, yeah, we're just getting started here. So, uh, we're streaming here live on Facebook and we're, uh, we're also, you know, posting to YouTube later on. You can listen to us on audio, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay. So, uh, as you heard, like the little clip there, uh, this episode battle lines, and I was not aware of this until today when I looked this up, but I was very excited by that Jonathan Banks of Breaking Bad has a major role in this episode and uh, and uh, is the leader of, I believe he's the leader of the Ennis yeah because there's the Ennis and the Null Ennis the Null Ennis are the bad Ennis the Null least... Ennis are the ones with hats and yes. the Ennis are the ones without hats that's what I piece together <laughs> Ah! <laughs> that was so great. It was a moment. We will we will play the moment of Kira doing the um the thing. Yeah, like with, okay. So, <laughs> Ka- <laughs> yeah. Okay, the death of Kaiopaka. The death and resurrection of Kaiopaka, I might add, uh, a big part of this episode. Uh, so, as we said, this is the thirteenth episode of this uh, first season the, of you know of this spinoff. And Kaiopaka is introduced in the pilot, an emissary, and then they brought her back in this episode uh, just to kill her off. And this is the last we see of Kaiopaka, as far as I remember. What, Spoilers, didn't she, but didn't she say at the end of the episode that her and the emissary are gonna cross paths again? Yeah, that I don't think that. Well, unless there's some kind of D Space Nine sequel down the road, I don't think we're getting that. I don't think we're getting <laughs> um, the the sequel with uh, Kai Opaka and and Cisco coming out of the. You know, Cisco has kind of gone way beyond being a Kai. He's he's lived in the with the prophets for. Well, we don't really know because we haven't picked up that part of the story. So. Yeah. But we'll see what we'll, we'll see what they do uh, if they ever do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Kyle Paca, uh, I liked her, but I think that they knew that they, I think that they, Kai Win is her successor ultimately. And um, Jamil's down on Kai Win. I don't think anybody's up on her, but uh, I mean, this one seems nicer and less psychopathic. Yes, right. she's still there's there's a common theme though with Kai's that they're these like masterminds that like are like you know like they always have these mastermind plans and stuff and i'm just like can't there just be a normal kai like (laughs) why are they all like these nefarious people that have these mastermind plans like uh even this one who seems like pretty nice person but um still still pulling the strings in some sort of a way i mean i guess you don't get to that level of power i guess that's what they're trying to say you don't get to that level of power if you know i need to get to the wormhole so i'm just gonna stare out into into space until cisco gets uncomfortable yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah well like okay we gotta break this whole thing down okay so this whole episode starts off weirdly enough with a whole like um they're they're reading a dossier, an old file from the uh, the last prefect of Bajor, which is Gold Ducat, I believe, but they don't name him by name here. Uh, they say they had he had a he had a file on Kira and the whole resistance, and she was labeled as the courier girl. She was no more. She was nothing else. And she's like, they're like, don't let Kira see that. She will be upset uh, if she sees what they were saying about her. Uh, but ultimately, they let her read it. She comes out of the office, and she is not happy. She's like, I killed lots of people. <laughs> yep. I was no errand girl. I killed a ton of people. What do yeah, you mean? I'm proud of it. <laughs> I'll kill not, them again. Not, <laughs> not getting away from it. Um, 
yeah like it was what do you make of this um yeah okay she can, al she can also barely walk up those spiral stairs like <laughs> <laughs> she's like really struggling to get up there and she was but i kill people <laughs> yeah i didn't notice that part but yeah okay i guess that they're addressing the whole thing of of kira's backstory as a Bajoran terrorist as a freedom fighter a liberator whatever you want to um, label her as that she uh you know blew up a lot of things killed people attacked Cardassians and and uh uh who were occupying her her homeland and uh and yeah so there's uh, this reconciliation and they talk a lot I think there's been a lot of talk about Kira I think since especially since 9-11 that you couldn't do D Space Nine after like that maybe uh not not telling that part of the terrorist stories because there will be going go on to be other stories that will explore kira's backstory as a member of the resistance and everything else better episodes than this i would probably say uh, i think you could do it i mean homeland came out after september 11th i mean and that's a very yeah. uh you know serious show about terrorism so i think like you know and and plus with Star Trek, they would probably just um, highlight that she was a terrorist. She was a freedom fighter, and just push right. that angle more and more. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So uh, it'll be fine. <clears throat> I don't think people have a problem dealing with that subject. Uh, it's just it might not have been good right after September 11th. Like you know, like there was a bunch of movies that they postponed. Uh, right. I, I yeah. I think. It's hard to say. Like it's been twenty, almost twenty years uh, since that happened, and I think you know maybe it's not as fresh in our minds. But um, I guess when a lot of these interviews were being done uh, after the fact, you know that was still very much present in their minds. And they talked, yeah, about how Kira was, and they talked about the two sides of that, right? How mm -hmm. how the one being the victim of the terrorist, whoever, and the one being the terrorist, and what, and and how you how even what that label means and everything else. So that's a big part of this, but. Also, re the religion of the Bajorans is also a, a deep thing. Uh, the Celestial Temple, the wormhole. And, and guess what? Kyle Paca shows up. And so Kira, that's like the Pope showing up for her. That's big. Big deal. Yes, but she really likes the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This she one. will not like the next Pope. <laughs> she will not. No. Um, yeah, like... Uh, yeah. yeah, she's definitely kissing ass like the whole for the most of the episode. Uh, for you know, she she's she's a big fan, like you said. Uh, but yeah, like it's kind of like I feel like Cisco doesn't want to be on this mission at all. He's he's like he wants he's just like kind of doing it as a favor, and it's really just to kind of like get a crying scene with Kira. We get that, which is hilarious and great and uh we get to deal with the wormhole the religious part about it how the humans are kind of connecting and the bajorans are connecting to the the wormhole doc the doctor's tagging along because he hasn't been in enough episodes so we needed the doctor on this in this episode this it turns great. out he, he ends up being useful on this mission but he's not really necessary but he's the one who who first meets up with kyle paka i guess when whatever uh pylon she's coming in on and um and they know that she's never even left Bajor before. This is her first time leaving the planet. Um, and this is kind of a big deal. Uh, so Cisco and Kira get down there. Bashir tags along just because. And they're off. She's because Wait, they're like, you, you yeah. missed out on an important part of this. And that is Cisco makes plans with Kira and Opaka and does not include Bashir. And Bashir yes. has to like guilt his way into the trip. <laughs> like he was like, like, you were not invited, dude. And he still pushed himself to get on. It was great. Further illustrating that people don't like this dude at all. Yeah. And we'll see it actually next episode at the beginning of the episode. Like Bashir and O'Brien are in a shuttle together. And <laughs> Bashir's like, hey, I'm cool, right? Right, you're my friend, right? He's like, Yeah, you're my friend. He's like, But really, we're friends, right? Like, he's, he's doing one of those. I can't <laughs> wait till we get to that. So, you can get you can see you guys can remember exactly how desperate this Bashir character is in season one. I mean, it's it makes the, the episodes more entertaining to watch, especially like watching just people react to him, especially is hilarious. Do um, before they get on the shuttlecraft, uh, uh, the guy gives um, 
O'Brien a necklace for um, his daughter out of the blue. And I don't know. I, I can't remember if it like it's paid off later on. Most likely not. But it just seemed like a random scene just to put in. I guess the scene was only meant to say uh, she's not coming back. She knew she wasn't coming back because she was reading prophecies or she was maybe right. consulting orbs. I don't know. Like something had had driven her to leave the planet for the first time, come to D Space Nine and pretty much walk into the situation where she wouldn't come back. A little bit too much time on the orbs, huh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, she, she, she was doing some uh, some meditation, and uh, she had a vision, and she knew that she was going to fake her death, come back. <laughs> she, had, she had too many gem bong sticks or whatever they have there on the promenade that they sell. <laughs> she was hopped up on those. And bajoran uh, and tea or whatever. But yeah, so... Uh, they head off into the wormhole. First, it's just going to be like, we're going to be in and out. But then, you know, she was like, she kind of pushes them. She pushes them. Hey, what's that? What's that thing? And they're, you know, so ultimately they're, and Cisco's pretty dumb about it, but he's kind of like, well, this is the Kai of Bajor. My part of my mission is to bring Bajor into the Federation and getting, becoming friends and an ally with Kaiopaka would serve him in that, in that purpose. And they're not, they're not addressing him as emissary at this point. Yeah. I don't really get that. Why that becomes a thing more later and not at this point, but because especially Kai Opaka, sorry, Kai Wynn who comes after wouldn't have decided that he was the emissary, but Kai, no, she does. Doesn't she, isn't she obsessed with the fact that he's the emissary? She only wants to call him the emissary. They have a whole scene later on okay yeah, they, I, they thought, a, I thought you thought she was against that but maybe she was no no it's the opposite there's a scene like i think it's in an episode or two where uh kai wins like emissary 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 and ben uh cisco's like call me benjamin uh, you don't have to call me emissary is like you know so there's a whole scene where uh, she's like well i can't you are the emissary how can i not call you the emissary <laughs> you know like so she she okay. did, but kyle parker does not do that no, and I think it's to distinguish the fact that Kai, uh, Kai Wynn is insane and uh, Kai Opaka seems a little bit more normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kai Wynn is the biggest psychopath in the in entire Star show. Trek. Yeah. In, in Star Trek, certainly in Deep Space Nine. She's way more psychopathic than Goldacott. Goldacott at least cares about his daughter. Yes. Uh, true. Uh, right. uh, what does uh, Kai, Kai Wynn care about? Well, herself and <laughs> like her own power within the religion. Yeah, being right, power, and herself. Because who plays her? Uh, the actress who plays uh, Kai Wynn? Uh, it's the, Nurse uh, Ratchet. Maybe. Yeah, Nurse like Ratchet. I, maybe they knew she. They had her coming into the show, and they were like, "No time for Kyle Paca. We need to get you know rid of her. She's she's. We need to give this Kai role to a villain. Maybe they just had uh, in the writers' room had figured that out. Yeah, I think I think they had to do that because they had to have that um kind of struggle with Kira, uh, you know, because I think it was to show you that like these lines are gray, like you know, they couldn't make the Bajorans 100% good guys, I think, because then I think they would have had problems with that down the road. Right, right. Okay, and then uh, but the, eventually their crash on the planet uh, in the episode uh, because they, they run into a defense network, uh kira's like i don't like it but you, you see later on that o'brien handles this situation much better he's like nope <laughs> that seems like a trap that seems like a trap i'm not doing that now he kind of had the foreknowledge of that my comrades are missing and they didn't have that but still i think o'brien was a little bit more ready in that situation but um yeah they end up on the planet and it's quite the crash it's uh it destroys that entire runabout they don't even recover the runabout uh yeah. the um it's named, they're all named after rivers. Uh, this one was a particularly difficult one to pronounce, as I recall. Um, uh, I don't have it, but it's okay. Kai Wynn is played by Louise Fletcher. That's her yeah. name. The actress's name. Louise Fletcher. Uh, that's it. Yes. What, what do you want? Do you want the Kira crying? Is that what you want? No, I have it. I have it. <laughs> uh, hold on. Yeah, so great. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. yeah, I love how they walk away almost. They let her do this thing. <laughs> what do you think it's over? She keeps going. 
Yeah, she says to do the prayers. <laughs> the short prayers. Yeah, yeah Masu. I, I think we should have done another take. <laughs> She's not even crying. <laughs> when it's Dan watched his We've go. got company. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, so, so. This goes like, shut up, Kira, shut up. We got people. <laughs> we got people. People are going <laughs> to get it. Now, okay. And then they run into uh, the Ennis. Uh, luckily, they didn't run into the, or maybe it didn't matter who they ran into. They, they had ran into into the, the Ennis or the Null Ennis. The only thing that mattered was which side Jonathan Banks was on from mm -hmm. from Breaking Bad. And right. he is the leader of the one. So it's a, a, a planet. He's, what we come to learn is uh, a planet of, of people who were from two different sides. And so the planet took them all and threw them on this planet together as an example. And so the defense network keeps them there and they keep killing each other over and over again. And uh, they keep coming back to life and it's kind of a hell. But I don't understand why they want to keep killing each other like after that many times. But that's not the point. But this allows the death of Kaiopaka to be a resurrection, as we had mentioned. But she could, everyone on this planet is kind of like a ghost. They can't leave you know, yeah. in some ways. It's, so, okay. So just as like a science fiction concept, cool. Like kind of neat. Um, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, right. yeah. Uh, interesting. Um, I think this episode is better on paper than it is in sort of actuality, maybe because of the performances. But I think... I, you know, I did. I, I don't remember. I did. I never connected. This was Jonathan Banks because I didn't know who Jonathan Banks was back in nineteen. It's Buzz Hickey from Community. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, he's a he's he's a great actor and everything. But, uh, you know, he was. You know, what, you know what? I think this episode falls apart because it should be a Kira episode and it isn't. It's a Cisco episode or turned right. into it. Right. It's supposed to be like her own personal hell while she's constantly still you know fighting uh, a fight that is long over just like these people are and she's not the driving force of the story it's cisco's kind of making inroads um and talking to the two different groups it should be kira making that revel that understanding um that the fight is over and she needs to move past it but nope, she is a passenger on this episode. Cisco does all the work, and then Kai is like, "That's you." That that was basically her her arc in it. She's like, "Oh yeah, it is kind of like me." That's it. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a Cisco episode. I think they did that because Cisco literally has not had an episode really since the first episode, and Kira's already had like three. So, so I think that's why they gave him so much to do in this episode. But I agree that Kira, they should have, you know, dove a little bit deeper into Kira in this episode because I mean, like it's all all of the religious uh, metaphors and everything that's going on. But we're going to be coming up to a Kira episode that might be one of the best episodes of the series, yeah. um, which is uh, duet. So I think they knew they were they were going to give Kira her due. Uh, so they had to like kind of give uh, Cisco a lot more, and the Doctor's just there. Yeah, which <laughs> I I don't understand his role. Like, okay, I guess at a certain point they realize that it's kind of pointless working on these people because they're all just going to reanimate. Um, mm -hmm. So all of a sudden he becomes an engineer and he's he's fixing the ship. Yeah, he's fixing the communication or the computer. Yeah, he fixes yeah. the computer. Wouldn't it make more sense that like like Cisco's doing that, uh, like trying to backtrack in Cisco's like career path? I assume he's more of an has more engineering skills than Bashir, who's focused on medical. Um, so shouldn't he be working on the ship? Um, he's outside already. Yeah, well, actually, you know, Cisco actually is an engineer by background, so he would yeah. be more equipped to do that. But no, he's more interested in what's going on inside the cave, and he lets. But I think again, Bashir not likable. He's like, if Bashir goes, whatever, you know. Right, but I agree with Bashir's point to Cisco that like these people can come back to life, Cisco, and Cisco's like, Doctor, we're in the middle of a war here. We can't be trying to figure out r r resurrection, you know? Like, like I don't like what. <laughs> They were there for two days, two or three days, right? Yeah, you should definitely try to figure that shit out. Like, like the the Bashir's right. Like, it's an unprecedented discovery if they can figure out how not to die. Just to imagine how many people <laughs> they can save, like 
put them in this magic stasis and we can like figure out what the issue is. And then when we take them out for stasis, we can kind of like stabilize them or have them stable before we, you know, operate on them. But no, it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to solve this issue. I'm, I'm, I'm taking charge of this scenario. Uh, prime direction, prime directive be damned. I'm going to, I'm going to do it my way. How long do you think they had all been there? Like on this planet? It's, no, no, the, the people, the Ennis, the null Ennis. Could have been years and years. Like, who knows? You know, like, he, he only says, I've died too many times to count. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> how, how, how long does it take to not count how many times you've died? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Let me die in peace. <laughs> Is Cisco kind of the Walter White in this scenario? No, that was Mike, er that was Mike Ehrmantraut from uh, oh, Breaking Bad and Breaking God Saul. You have to say, I, got to, I, got, I pulled three clips of him. You're God. You are not the guy. You're not capable of being the guy. I had a guy, but now I don't. You are not the guy. <laughs> I love that. I had a guy, and now I don't. <laughs> Is Cisco yeah. Walter White? You goddamn right. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's how I should have done him in the radio theater. I don't know if I don't know if you uh, if you had heard that uh, the way I, we did. I didn't get a chance to. I was unfortunately taken away from work um mm -hmm. but i do have friends um i was on guesting on a friend's podcast and they were um they wanted to ask me a million questions about the uh radio theater and they're like please please please, please, please can you convince them to let us on um, oh how many of them are there it's two of them they are both um actors oh, oh wow. so they were like oh it's so awesome what they're doing so um that's great to you too oh great thank you yeah well we're gonna, i was gonna plug that at the end of the show it was we're doing voyager next and it's it, going to be hilarious it's gonna be the funniest one we've ever done so it's we're uh, doing the phage oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well here I, why why bury the lead here just this is what we're doing next so uh with jane and uh, myself and jeff and jody and and ashley so I've got the, uh, Jody, I've got the doctor Tuvok. Jody is playing Ensign Kim One. <laughs> yes, he's before he was sucked out of the ship. Yes, um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and Ensign Seska before she was exposed as a Cardassian. <laughs> and I have four characters, and all four of my characters are deliciously fun. So you uh, will, I and, and none of them. Only one of them is kind of true to the original version, uh, like of, of, of the actor who played them in the original episode. The other three are not. So uh, get yeah. ready for that. Excited. Yeah, yeah. it's good, it, and that's kind of the fun of the show is that we uh, we like some sometimes we do like a pretty faithful like imitation performance of like you know whoever if we especially if it's a serious episode or an episode that's really good. But I find if it's an episode that we have that's. Uh, uh, you know, just like whatever, we kind of like this episode, but it's kind of forgettable in some ways. Um, and it, there's no tragedy to it. Uh, yeah, it's this will be fun. Um, and I think Voyager in particular because they're not as beloved, <laughs> yeah, not as beloved. And uh, some of the dialogue between certain characters, especially like if it's the doctor and Neelix, or or it's like Chakotay uh, and Ensign Kim, or uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. whatever, who cares? You can do whatever yeah. you want, so yeah, um, that's know. right, Chakotay. Um, Chakotay is so great. Yes. Where is he? Akuchi Moya. Akuchi Moya. Akuchi Moya. Oh, it's going to be so much fun on Saturday. That's why they call me number one. <laughs> Nobody calls him number one. Not even, <laughs> not even Janeway. No, she's like Commander. Yeah, she always calls him Commander or, Ch or Chakotay. Oh, Chakotay. She likes to call people by their ranks usually. Does Chakotay have a different name? Like, is he just Chakotay? One word, like one name? Yeah, just he, one name. Yeah. Just one name. Yeah, that's how he goes about it. But hey, we're not here to talk about D Space Nine. So I guess, yeah, we were like, oh, yeah, battle lines. Um, yes. There's just, there's a lot of like Kira grieving. There's a lot, there's the whole like coming back to life thing and the whole reveal of that. Um, I remember, like, I remember being disappointed with this episode the first time I watched it. Uh, just because, like, I kind of liked Kaiopaka, and uh, like, I guess, or whatever. And I thought that she was gone too soon, and I felt like the show felt a little disjointed. And I also like like this whole, uh, and it was kind of a tragedy because these people are kind of stuck at the end on this planet. Um, 
in this never ending battle battle and they're like she's like why don't you have scale parties why don't you have uh defense perimeters where are the guards she's like he's like we used to we don't care anymore it doesn't matter it's all wrecked i <laughs> <laughs> don't care yeah i don't care about they, the get ang- they get angry they go over to the other side they kill a bunch of people and then they like just go back home because there's no point that's yeah. what ends up happening. They have that gigantic battle at the end, and then they come back to life, and they just kind of just slink off back to their caves. But why? Like you know, it just seems like that'd be just that's entertainment in this time, basically. It's it's something. It's the yeah. only thing that they have. Yeah, really, it's, they've they they have no entertainment that we've seen. They don't care about medical. We didn't see anything about food whatsoever. So the only thing that they have where i guess they have only their link to being alive is mm-hmm. their anger and hate of this other tribe so like cisco kind of humors them right during this situation where this is a little bit different but i don't trust these people and we're gonna go off and kill them anyways just like they always do the the proposition of of dying was kind of you know interesting but you see he wanted to turn into a weapon he just wanted to win all he has is the war that's it. Yeah, I guess that. And that kind of represents how they can't let go of their hatred, of their anger, their violence. And that's kind of what the story of Kira is or what we're kind of talking to what Kira's past is. Oh, the, you know, I just think that she just doesn't come across as somebody who, to me, was, has that trauma because she seems so professional and put together most of the time. Yeah. Uh, as Major Kira. And so sometimes when she, it doesn't feel like that pain is, is real. Uh, enough to me maybe i don't know if, if, if either of you agree but i just don't like, buy it sometimes if there were like subtle hits throughout hints throughout the um the past episodes like if some kind of like action occurred she was like the first to jump in or uh any type of rising tension you would see her like kind of have to hold herself back um but no like it just kind of it's like you're still holding on to your anger. It's like, yeah, I am. It's like you have to kind of show us. Don't like tell us that you are and just agree. It's like we don't really get that. That that you know how many episodes? Twelve episodes of showing that. Yes, we see that she's on this destructive path. Yeah, for sure. I agree that this episode was needed to chill Kira out. That Kira was she's she's holding a bunch of baggage and she needs to release it and it seems like the only way to release it is through her faith and and through her faith uh forgiving her for her being a you know a violent person because she had to be a violent person there is a good moment at the end where you know she said the kyle Paca says to her you know like um you know she says well the, the prophets forgive me and she says only when you they're waiting for you to start forgiving yourself and to start reconciling that and um yeah i guess and that part is nice uh, you know although it doesn't feel maybe as good as it should i don't know if it's it, it doesn't, it doesn't have earned it doesn't feel earned because she yeah. wasn't the driving force in this episode yeah that and we don't we don't really have as much information or we didn't really get to see a lot of what kira did before the series she explains it a bit in tidbits but we don't really have enough information about just to the level of um you know, freedom fighter terrorist that she was, uh, because we didn't get to see it. Um, so we didn't get to get to see her, you know, deal with those in the moment. We're only getting it after the fact. So we're kind of like, all right, what's going on with Kira? Like, why is she like this? And, and, you know, so I don't know. It's, she's interesting, but it's also like the, I feel like this episode's also about the aliens that are on this moon that keep resurrecting. And, uh, uh, you know, Bashir's like analyzing everything and he's like, uh, you know, and uh, Cisco's like, uh, you know, organizes a ceasefire. And then like the Bashir's like, how did you manage that? And Cisco's like, oh, I agreed to take them off the moon. He's like, <laughs> Bashir's like, is that wise? And <laughs> he's like, listen. They've paid for their crimes a thousand times over. And, you know, like, he's like, don't lecture me about the prime directive. And it's just like that whole moment of just like, like, you're right, Jamil. Like, he's like, the hell with the prime directive. <laughs> and the hell with you, Bashir. Hell with you. Well, just, <laughs> oh it's a bad choice because l- let's say the resurrection lasts outside of the planet. You have a warlike, two warlike cultures who seem very mentally unstable and you're going to put them on a different planet. 
<laughs> yeah. Like that makes no sense whatsoever. How do you know they won't get to their respective planets and go, you know, it'd be great if we had ships and we were killing each other again. And like, it would just be, <laughs> it would be like a warden of a prison coming in and going, you know what would be a good idea? <laughs> if we just release all these people into a city. Okay. But, but to, <laughs> it, to be devil's advocate here. Okay. I think that Jonathan Banks is, feels pretty, um, relatable i guess or somehow you can connect with him in this role i think the fact that the ns don't ever really harm them don't exploit them could have could have forced their hand a few times against uh cisco and the group but they're pretty welcoming more or less and protective of them but once again they have no fear like why should they fear cisco yeah. and them like they're no, I, it's not fear but like but even at the end where cisco is about to beam away and you know, he's like, well, you're just going to leave us behind. And uh, he's kind of like, well, okay, you know, I'm going, I got to go kill those guys again because that's what I do. And, you know, whatever. It was just a distraction in the grand scheme of things for them. Back to the war. Right. Um, so, wait, one part that uh, we kind of skipped over that was my favorite part is when Kira kind of took control of the situation and um, stopped uh, the infiltrators from coming in when they first attacked. Yes, uh, she shoots the phaser at the rock surface on the the top, the 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 curvature of the of the entrance, which drops a bunch of stones, and one of them drops on one of the um, uh, attackers' crotch. The Null Ennis. Yes, Null Ennis. It was very enjoyable to see that. I rewound it a couple of times. You liked that? You liked that whole action scene where she jumps out and she fires you know, the phaser. When and... when the rock drops on the crotch, that's the part. That's great. Okay, hold on. We gotta get find this. I'm the whole simple man. I'm a simple man. <laughs> it's like in The Simpsons where Homer gets hit in growing by football. <laughs> Major, look at that roll. Wait, 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 wait for it. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That was not planned, but hilarious. I'm a That's simple great. person. I am. You know what hilarious if the person like went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! Feel that. Because those three guys die. All the guys who get the rocks put on them, but they actually resurrect, so it's okay. Yeah. So they came back, and then he got hit by a stone in the crotch. Yes. Right. Yeah. You have to, and you have to have the memory of dying by having a rock drop on your crotch. But it doesn't last. You you come back from it a short time later. But it seems like after you come back, you have like a bit of a recovery period. Yeah. It's not like because you see when they all like later on have their big brawl and they're like, oh, then they, the two sides just go home. That's what happens. <laughs> and they're, I'm like, what? I guess it's just like I don't know, rival gangs going out and having fist fights on Saturday night and coming home and. Sleeping it, like, it off and going back. The Looney Tunes, where like the dog and the um, and they have the punch clock and they fight and then when they finish for the day and they just punch out and they're like, see you, see you next day, Sam. They're like, see you together, you know. They... Okay, no worries. We're moving on. Moving on. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get you. Uh, okay, can we talk about just the quickly the other three characters uh, from the D Space Nine crew? Well, that well, we don't see Quark in this episode or. Jake, but uh, I'm talking more uh, uh, Dax, O'Brien, and, and and we get a quick scene here with Odo, who's <laughs> I like what they gave Odo to do this scene because he's like the next Bajoran in charge, I guess. But he's not a Bajoran, but he, he's the Bajoran officer, and um, and and so yeah, Cisco took the Kai into the wormhole, and the Bajoran people are not uh, pleased, and it is it is great here. Opaka's people are on subspace to me every five minutes. Tell them one of our runabouts found a trace of a warp eddy current. It's got to be from their ship. With any luck, we should be able to determine which direction they were headed. Well, that's not going to satisfy them on Bajor. You have no idea what the Kai means to them. When they heard Cisco had taken her into the wormhole... Constable, tell them we're doing the best we can, okay? <laughs> Shut up, Bobo. <laughs> have the Bajoran station a ship on the Gamma side. We'll stay in close touch by subspace. He's like, come on! <laughs> I'm not PR. PR, dude. Seriously, you're just going to leave me to take care of this? He's like, an entire so planet crazy. is asking for their religious leader and what happened to them. And I'm like, O'Brien, O'Brien gives him such 
sass. He's like, listen. And Brian's like, they could be dead for all we know. And Toto's like, do you know how much paperwork I have to do now? I got to talk to these bureaucrats. That's not my job. Tell them there's a subspace warp signature. We're working on it. Okay? Like, <laughs> Well, I'm not in Starfleet. Yeah, he doesn't do that stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's let's continue on with the, the <laughs> Well, where were we? Where were we? We've been jumping around, but the B storyline, uh, which is so fantastic. Uh yeah, I well just that how I think O'Brien, yeah, it was we kind of alluded to earlier, shines, and then later on, he's kind of he's always he's really angry. I think he's um they like he got that necklace from the Kai. Uh-huh. And now he's angry. He's so pissed off, and then he they have to like Dax and O'Brien have to go search this whole solar system, right? Oh, like yeah. they're, they're, that's never been charted. He's even like, let's go chart it, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's so unimpressed to be on this mission. I don't this know. Whole, the whole first season, O'Brien doesn't want to be on the station. He doesn't like, he, he's like, just doesn't like where he is, his lot in life. He doesn't have any friends. He's there with his wife who doesn't really seem to like it there either <laughs> like you know like everything he liked the enterprise he liked the enterprise he liked that show they he'd much rather just work at the transporter room for some reason i don't really understand i mean he's way more important on new space nine um you know you'd think he would be a little bit more appreciative well maybe he's like i got stuff to do i got things to fix on fix on the station now i gotta run off into the gamma quadrant with dax to look for right me. All right, I do think that is the the conscious decision that Colmini chose with O'Brien. He's like, he wouldn't be happy. He needs to be fixing the space station in which he has no idea how to fix. So, like, <laughs> can't have the operations chief sitting around daydreaming when there's work to be done, can we? Oh, I'll get right on it. I'll get right on it. <laughs> he's, so, he's so pissed off all the time. I think I'm like, have a cookie, O'Brien. It's okay. Yeah, he's like surly. That's the right word for him. He's like a surly computer uh, chief engineer. So what you're saying is like at the height of popularity, they should have had like a Snickers commercial with O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not yourself. Sometimes you got to go to the Gamma Quadrant to look for he, people. He's definitely hangry. Definitely. <laughs> and even like later on when the, uh, so when he, they finally find the plant, the moon that they're all on and uh, the satellites are coming at him. He's like, nope. And he just goes up and he's like, yeah, he handles it like a pro. He's he, you know, he gets a chance to be the vet. But you, you skipped over how he found the, the needle in the haystack. Oh yeah. He invented a magnetron. That's how that, no, the differential mag- magnifier. The differential magnifier. The differential magnifier. Magnometer. If they went down, we should at least be getting something from their transponder. <laughs> the warp eddy has traces of meson particle emissions. Very star. Oh wait, hold on. So reactor. The current shows that their heading was approximately two three. No, did they do it? I think you skipped over it. Oh, sorry. Before they find it, the, the great part about it is you have to find how Dax questions him about his plan, and it's like. I've never heard of that. She just basically looks at him like, what the hell are you talking about? You yeah, I was confused by this because she's the science officer and he's an enlisted engineer. Like he's the chief operations. Uh, to be fair, Dax is not a great science officer. I mean, she, she doesn't seem to know much about science. Is this Where is it? Is it before? How deep into uh, this episode is it? Um, yeah, it's, it's, about, it's about here, right? Anything interesting in that direction? I can't even find it. Sorry, guys. But um, I don't know where it is on this episode. And I'm tired I, of I, I made like an anime. I, I, got, it, I got it right here. It's, uh, it's at the 37 minute mark, Dave. 36? 37 minutes. Oh, 36. Of course. You didn't check that. Hmm? No, is, that, is that a joke? I have it if you want to look. 37? Our sensors are reading life forms on the surface, Chief. I think some of them are human. That's not it. What's that? It? No, it's like we can't find it. Uh, uh, but it's it's, it's a needle in a haystack. Wait, that's how we find the the needle by using a giant uh, magnet. Okay, so we're in that same situation now. We have to problem solve just like Starfleet officers. So how do we find the needle in the haystack in this episode of O'Brien talking to Jed's or Dax of a haystack? 30, Thirty-two minutes. Go to thirty-two minutes. I think that's worth. But yeah, like uh, never been much impressed with Dax as like a science officer. I find a lot of times she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> no change. 
What the hell would they be doing here anyway? It's a waste of time. But they could be 20 light years from here and we wouldn't have the first clue. Probe A approaching planet 3. One no, this is not it either. We can't I'll, find it. I'll find it. That's what oh. I do. All right. We'll just leave Dax there for now. She's the best science officer going. She doesn't even seem like she wants to be there that day. No, m nobody does. Everybody hates this episode, it seems like, except like Nana Visitor and maybe. Do you think, like, by this point, they were realizing what they were in for as, uh, uh, being on a TV show? Yeah. Uh, 13, week 13 episodes in by this point? Yeah, I think they were like, you know, it's because I, I mean, like, let's look back on some of the episodes they've already done. They did that, you know. Uh, Al Moraine episode. I'm sure that took like 12 hours a day to freaking shoot that stupid episode. So, you know, <laughs> 27. <laughs> and a lot of times, like, they're literally are just spitting out jargon, yeah. right? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and only one or two care actors really get to uh, chew the meat on the bone. Yeah. In this episode, it happens to be Cisco and Kira. So, 2745. 2745. This is how we do. This is what we do. Do, do. Got it. <laughs> Katy Perry. Well, I was more talking. To scan the system for those specific magnetic resonance patterns. If Cisco's <laughs> runabout is in the system, we might pick up a fluctuation in the hysteresis curve. The magnetic deflection of a runabout's hull is extremely weak. The probes will never be able to detect it. They will if I can outfit them with a differential magnetomer. A differential <laughs> magnetomer. I've never heard of a differential magnetomer. How does she it work? Laugh. I'll let you know as soon as I finish making one. She doesn't even laugh after he says. She just turns around a straight face. She looks nervous. She or looks like, it lo she looks like O'Brien's about to build a bomb. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking? Like an about? Irish car bomb or something. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, she looks at him like he's got two heads, a differential magnetometer. But like, yeah, like I don't even know. Like we don't get a lot of uh back. Some of these characters we know a lot about their backgrounds. Like we know because Dax had that trial early on that she has all these degrees in exobiology and science and astrophysics and all kinds of things. Uh, and but we don't know as much about O'Brien. Like as, much, as far as we understand, with O'Brien's uh, thing was he just signed up for Starfleet. He went into town one day and signed up for Starfleet and. There he went. He didn't really. He maybe gone to the basic training in some academy. Maybe just. He's a glorified handyman. Okay. Yeah, he's a hey, yeah. He always, he's the only guy who like has his sleeves rolled up. Yeah. Right. Um. He's not really like Scotty. Wasn't even like that or any of them. Right. They've they, they, uh especially not like uh, Jordy and like uh, the TNG uh, engineering section just looked pristine all the time. Right. Uh, maybe I guess in the movies a bit like it felt like and then of course in the Kelvin timeline engineering yeah. feels like a dirty place to work but um jordy feels like an engineer from like that went to school to be an engineer so everything is precision and by the book and basically miles o'brien is joe rogan's character from news radio <laughs> Just, oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah right. patching things together yeah yeah, Jordy also always gets annoyed, just like O'Brien does when anybody's trying to help him. Like, you know, he's like, "You're, you're, you're just get in the way," you know, yeah. like. And his data, all, and then he goes like, "Yeah, you're right," and then he yeah. runs off and takes Data's idea and implements it. Data, that was not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, like it seems to be a common thing with the engineers that like they like to work alone, which seems ridiculous uh, because it seems like too big of a job for one person to yeah, do. Yeah, like like O'Brien must have like a staff of probably forty people who work with him, right? Bunch of geeks that we'd never know their names. No. Yeah, but yeah, so he he outshines Dax. Not only does she have all these degrees, not only she's the chief science officer, she's also has a symbiote who is three hundred years old. And she, yeah, she should be smarter than every single person except maybe Bashir. Yeah, you right. know, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Like, so I don't think that this episode does, um, just from a rating standpoint. Like, I think it's, I don't know, well, maybe we should give it a rating. I don't know if you guys are ready for the rating yet, but if we, if we, if we, oh, analyzed we enough. Facts. you guys want to do fun facts? Yeah, here, let's hear the fun facts and then we can, feel, the we can weigh in on the rating. 
Okay, so okay, the writers uh, considered creating a new character to be killed and resurrected, but this was changed to Kaiopaka. She was con- considered to be the most expendable recurring character. She's a, this is only second appearance. Yeah, well, that's why she was expendable. Uh, the original concept involved a group of humans and Cardassians instead of the Ennis and the Null Ennis, but they didn't want to do that because it would look like Cisco and the team there were were choosing sides. So they they didn't want to. They just wanted to make it like obscure. So I guess that's why they went to the Gamble Quadrant instead as well. That works. Uh, uh, Tom Morga designed the weapons in this episode. He did so by taping together a cardboard blade, a ball, and an old tool handle. And it shows. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> go, go, go take a look at the, well, the weapons in this episode. I mean, they look like they were made by a child. Uh, this, ep- this episode was one of the first to state exactly what the United Federations of Planets is. Commander Cisco's response to Zlanko's question was that if it made it, is it made up of over 100 planets who have allied themselves for mutual scientific, cultural, and defensive benefits. The mission that my people and I are on is to explore the galaxy. Jean-Luc Picard later says something similar to Lily Stone in Star Trek First Contact. Uh, so but I guess the I, interesting, I'm the interesting yeah. fact about that is what was the question he was answering? They were kind of asking like, "Who who are you?" Basically, wasn't it? These weapons look that they they just look like spears and weird knives. And the question was, "What race are you?" Kira says, "I'm a Bajoran," and then Cisco just gives his intro. Benjamin Cisco of the Federation of Planets, (laughs) and then does that huge long monologue. It's like you don't even say I'm a Terran or human. Nothing. Just he's like, it's not important. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, they look human, sort of too, right? These people. Kind of Cronenberg ish, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he um, Jonathan Banks looks like Tommy Wiseau from uh, like in this episode. He looks like he's going, <laughs> you want to no, see him back? You want you want to see him again? What oh. a funny joke! <laughs> oh, hello, uh, hello. You're tearing me apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I assure you, I can kill you from way over here if it makes you feel any better. Cut the fuck up. Let me die in peace. The aforementioned necklace that Opaka gives to Brian for Molly was never mentioned or talked about in the series ever again. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, O'Brien pocketed and probably pawned it off when he went to Bajor? Yeah, he, yeah, the he very next it. episode. Yeah, he was like, "The Kai gave you this. How much you give me?" He's like, "I need money to gamble against Bashir." Um, so stone coordinator Dennis Madalone directed the first two days of this shoot, as they considered uh, consisted of action sequences, which director Paul Lynch was not interested in handling. By the way, Paul uh, Lynch directed three other episodes this season. He all he did move along home. Yes. For so, and this was also Paul Lynch's last episode directing Star Trek. He had done five episodes of TNG, and this is his fifth episode of Deep Space Nine already in season one. So he's done half the episodes, basically. Um, executive, no, executive producer Rick Berman disapproved of this, feeling that Lynch had abdicated his duty as director and decided not to hire him to work on the franchise ever again. Jeez. So basically, he came out. He's like, I don't want to direct action. <laughs> the guy's like, You're a director. <laughs> the directors do. Right. Um, this episode marks the first time a DS9 runabout is destroyed. The Yangtze Kang. Yeah, um, yeah we, it's, it wasn't a good name. They're like, let's just blow this one up. Yeah, this sucks. Um, uh, in an outtake from the first scene of the runabout, Avery Brooks delivered a line, we'll be entering the wormhole in about an hour. Instead of the, the scripted ti- time of a minute, Brooks smiles and Camille Savola Kayapoka says, Well, I ain't got that long. I've got about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the that's a, that wasn't in the episode, was it? It was a I blooper think, outtake. I think it's a blooper. Like she said that, like I, because he was supposed to do this long, this long uh thing, and then she just she kind of made a joke. Um Okay, so this episode marks the first time Hillary J. Bader and Richard Danus worked on a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode. All, I don't know why that's important. Um, although it was not specified in the episode, the prefect whom Cisco refers to is called a god. So they, they do confirm that as canon. Um, the event of the episodes are touched up uh, touched upon again in MMO Star Trek Online, Dave, which we play. Uh, oh. In, yes. yes. And, and in the victory of uh, is life expansion, which stars 10 actors from the series. So, I mean... Uh, 
including her yeah yeah they, they yeah they're like will you come back and play that character from 1993 probably did, probably did the voice <laughs> um speaking of kaipaka she uh leaves the alpha quadrant in this episode making her final real appearance in the series she does not later appear in the collaborator or ascension uh, in the orb uh no she later appears in the orb experiences in the collaborator and ascension um yeah, and that's pretty much it. Uh, other than uh, Cisco, Kira, Bashir are stranded on this moon, which is surrounded by an automated defense system to prevent the NS and the non-NS from escaping. In Star Trek The Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars, there's uh, a very similar uh, security system on the planet Iago uh, that prevents anybody from leaving the planet. Yeah, so, and I, it reminded me a little bit of Star Trek Picard, where we saw this year the planetary defense systems that were around uh, the planet where Elnor was from. Um kind of reminiscent a little bit of that like that planetary defense systems aren't explored well in the series either at this point so um, and this episode aired on March 25th uh, no sorry April 25th 1993 yes so you know gives you an idea of uh, how old this episode is all right well then with all that in mind do we have our ratings and jamil i'm still need two ratings for you but from two other episodes by the way um jeff do you have a score for this four and a half <laughs> i'm gonna give it a six i'm gonna give it a 5.5 <laughs> wow uh, <laughs> like a five, okay. five point three. That turns out to it has a six point six, which I think is generous. But I, I find the IMDb scores are generally. If anybody's gone out of their way to give a rating to this episode, it, te- it tends to be generous. So uh, <laughs> there you go. There's parts of it that are that are good and well constructed. Is just in its execution and just one thread i think that was pulled out that kind of makes it like not a good episode like once again as i stated if this was a kira episode and kira was the the instigator of the you know the story it would be in a seven it would be in the eights it would be a powerful episode i think and they we got it cheated out of it of course thankfully yes we do have other episodes that kind of give kira her due but it's a lost opportunity yeah, I think I think there was a struggle in this episode to give Cisco a little bit more command, um, like uh, of presence. Uh, I feel like they 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 knew they wanted to tell a really good Kira story, and they were saving it. Uh, they I don't think they knew what they wanted to do with Cisco at the beginning. I think they were a little confused uh, as to how to make him a good character. I think I don't think he really hits his stride till season three. Yeah, and apparently Avery Brooks was going to leave the series. He he revealed um, years ago that he was only going to stick around for a couple seasons. It was just like the long hours and whatever. Yeah. And it was his kids who talked to him in disdain. He's like, See. "There's no hawk in this." Yeah, a man named Hawk that's yeah. dying to come back. Right? So, grow my goatee. Yeah, they want. Yeah, I'll stay because they let me grow my goatee. That was leverage. I want to break out the hawk, and he's, and then they're like, "Wait." What season three? I can break out the hawk, and he's like, "Sign me up! I'm I'm here, I'm here." Right, <laughs> the hawk. I I still haven't seen that. Um, <laughs> it's, ne- better it's better if you don't. It's better if you don't. Just I love in, in, in what we left behind. They're like, he was on hawk. I mean, that was a good show. I'm like, I'm like, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. He was known. It was known hawk. Yeah. I'm sure he was. I mean, I didn't grow up in the 80s. So I mean, you think maybe. with all the streaming platforms, we'd be able to watch all these old shows, unlike at least one, some one of, the, one of them, but we don't. So they're holding on to the rights because they want to reboot the Hawk and bring him back. They want to reboot Hawk. They want people to be like attached to the old Hawk when the new Hawk's going to be, you know, uh, more millennial friendly or something. So yeah, let's we'll see how it goes. Uh, okay. So I don't know. Is there anything else to say about this episode? Um, not really. I mean, other than the fact that I feel like Kira's act, like Nana Visitor's acting, could have used a few more takes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, other than that, I think the episode was again season one rushed. I mean, Jody's kind of right when he says, "I don't know how you're getting through season one because there are some episodes like this where they just don't pat." That's why I gave it a four and a half. They don't 
they don't pass the 50%. I would fail this episode. Um, you know, if you get over 50%, I approve. I think it's a, a, an episode I would rewatch again. But if you do not get over the 50% threshold for me, I'm not rewatching your episode. <laughs> I, I would rewatch this, especially because Jonathan Banks is in it now. And right. I kind of know that. So I think just from that standpoint, it's above the, the fight, like the, the better half. Um, and, yeah, I would have liked to see more Kai Opaka, but again, like we said, it opened the door for the Kai Win um, character, which was a really important part of the arcs of these of these uh, series and, and the different seasons. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, next week, though. So I, I, I rated it above five because, once again, we saw someone get hit in the crotch with a rock. Right. So, that that yeah. takes them from four and a half to five and a half. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Right there. It brings it to an average of 5.3, by the way, which is an improvement from last week. Vortex. But guess what? I think we might have it worse next week. <laughs> because next week, we have the storyteller. This <laughs> is an episode where Chief O'Brien is appointed a spiritual leader of a Bajoran village. This Not- is the episode at the beginning of the episode where Bashir is begging O'Brien to be his friend. Yeah. And for that for that alone, I love it. But everything else in the episode... Right. High rating the, coming in. I remember watching that particular episode as a kid and going, I don't know if I like this show. Like, this is not... Like this is not this is not my Star Trek, you know, and whatever. I don't think the actors knew. The, like I think the writers, everybody was confused what to do with the show at the beginning. Um, even though they had a lot of good concepts and a lot of good setup for a lot of different things that would come later, they didn't they didn't know how to milk that cow to you know to really make some nice fine cheese. So much potential. We know how much potential's here, and we're seeing all these characters bumbling around. But it's kind of it's very much like that for me when I watched the first season of TNG as well. Oh, yes, uh, and even Voyager, first season Voyager. Um, well, yeah. I think less so, but because season one Voyager is not that far from season six Voyager. It, it is, but it isn't. Um, once Janeway cuts her hair, I feel like Voyager <laughs> in a stride. Much like when Cisco became Hawk, uh, I, I feel I feel this way. The Picard, it's like uh, with the TNG. It's Riker. once they get once they get rid of yeah, Riker grows a beard and they get rid of that line that goes on their shoulders. Once they get rid of that, the show gets better. So, uh, so what was Enterprise's mistake? What did they not do? Oh man, Enterprise! They never, they never clicked. Okay, like these other yeah. shows, they figured out. At, the problem was, it was like they Enterprise was on their way, but it was too little, too late, and it was too. I think the whole prequel thing for me always turned me off. I, I wasn't, I never liked Enterprise from that standpoint because I didn't want to go back. I, like, I was like, this is not what I need now. I, I don't think the show, the series, needs this now. Um, the franchise, rather. And, I don't know. Prequel was the problem. I just feel like it was the execution. Um, I, I'm just not as interested for some reason. Bacula I don't think was the worst captain. Yeah, I feel like Bacula was not the right choice to be the, to be the guy. Um, in yeah. my opinion, definitely. I not. I don't know. I I liked Enterprise. I just felt like the show in general should have had like, okay, we're gonna do three years, and we have. A concrete plan is exactly what we're going to do and just yeah. do those three seasons. The fact that they kind of just like, we'll figure it out as we go as a prequel, uh, I'm not a big fan of at all. I was excited when Bakula was cast like 20 years ago. And then I saw, because I thought it would be more like his Quantum Leap character, I guess. And he, ultimately, Archer is not that, that yeah, Sam, <laughs> Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap. So, uh, and it was just always disappointing to me from that standpoint. And a couple of the other characters. I feel like that was part of the mistake was casting Bakula because, like, if you look at all the other three captains, they were not known for anything other than, I guess, Hawk. The Hawk. Uh, and Kate, Kate Mulgrew was known from like some soap opera stuff, and yeah, like, but not like in the science fiction, or it wasn't like you can just say there was a separation in characters. More, yeah, or but they were all esta- they were all established like technical actors theater actors all like you know patrick stewart avery brooks kate mulgrew i'm not arguing that point what i would say is that before star trek like like even when you think of um scott Bakula, you think of quantum leap you don't really think of enterprise whereas when you think of like before i mean patrick stewart went on to do xavier and all that kind of stuff but before he was not known for anything same thing really with kate mulgrew same thing with kind of except i don't know how big hawk was i mean according to what we do in the shadows hawk was the shit <laughs> <laughs> right I know what we left behind yes 
Yeah, yeah now, now what we do in the shadows. I was like, did they mention <laughs> that? Yeah. Yeah, what we let I was like, that would have been an amazing reference, uh, but <laughs> you think I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm cool? Wait, yeah. So a a man a man Oh wait, we got a comment here, guys. Uh from Ian Myers. He says, Okay, come on, guys. Uh the storyteller, which is our episode next week, is extremely <laughs> entertaining. Uh, struggling to give that speech was side spitting. Once upon a time, there was a die rock, and he lived over there in the woods. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not saying we won't have fun rewatching that one because uh, maybe, do... maybe not, but I remember watching it 20 or how many years ago, almost 30 years ago. Not great back then for me, but I, I might like it more this time. It can't be worse. Is it going to be worse than Vortex? If as long as it's not worse than Vortex. Ian Myers, if you're still watching and you want to come on next week to discuss your love for the storyteller, you are most welcome. Yeah, or just yeah, board. whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, yeah, whatever you're comfortable Right. So shoot us a message uh, on our page at Live Long a Podcast. And uh, if you're interested in coming on, if you have a webcam and a mic, uh, if you have a laptop, whatever, um, yeah, we'll, we'll set it up. The Hawk right. only went for 13 episodes. Thirteen episodes and right, but it, but it's a it's a sequel to another show that he did. Yeah, Spencer for Hire, and he did. Right, was it one, two, three, four different um, TV movies as well as Hawk? It must have been. Must Jeff have been. Reeves? Kind of just froze there. He just froze the mid sentence. Okay, see, the Hawk was just too much for him. He, he's like it turns you to a statue. Yeah. Uh, Spencer for hire. Spencer. He's been making Spencer movies. Yeah. It's... The Spencer movies is where he plays the hawk. But I'm like, geez, I don't remember this movie, this show. It's a li- like we we were like I think too young for it. Like uh, at the time, you and I. So like we were. It's more adult and and I guess it's just not as memorable. People don't. Uh, Robert Ulrich and Avery yeah. Brooks. And... Like I watch, I I watched a lot of television as a younger person, but I just I can't. It's just a gap. It's a gap. Whatever you know what, first season Avery Brooks reminds me of um, Captain Holt from um, not from Brooklyn Nine Nine, but um, uh, from Twenty One Jump Street. Oh okay, yeah, like right? the movie. No, no, like the TV show. Oh, okay. <laughs> like the TV. Yeah, show. I never watched the TV show as much. Not that particular one. Yeah. Uh, um, but I watched same, a ton of stuff. Uh, same, same type of thing though. Like the hair, right? And you know, he did have a beard though. Um, but the same type of uh, captain that's there. Um, he's kind of just there's the authority figure, kind of like Cisco is in the first season, um, whereas the other. You know, main jump streeters are the the main characters. Your Johnny Depp, your um, your your Hops, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what I got here? Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff Jeff's still frozen, eh? He is. Yeah, but he's got okay here. Coolant link. I can make him talk, so it's okay. I should make that less loud, probably. Uh, or get off my ship. Oh wait, that's Jamie. Where is it? Uh, Jeff Jordy. Coolant leak! Bridge, we have a coolant leak in the engine core! I can't shut it down! I estimate two minutes to a warm core breach! Yeah, here you go. So Jeff good. says, Go, go, go! <laughs> I was him doing Jordy. And apparently, my uh, if you would you, if you check out the last performance we did uh, for uh, D Space Nine um, Trials and Tribulations, um, my wharf apparently was uh, well received, so uh, they, they. You showed great honor with your performance. I had to do. I had to do four different roles, I think, and so and um, yeah, it was fun. I, I, but all but that one. Okay, if we ever do an episode that has that many characters, that, that episode had like twenty characters in it. We need more people because to give everybody five characters was like not just too much. It was just too much. People yeah. had to kind of warm. Did people have to like kind of warm up into it? Um. Yeah, but we've been doing it for like this is like our third time doing it. But the, the thing, yeah, you do have to kind of warm up it. And this one, this one was different because we recorded it in the morning instead of at night. Uh, so, with the... everyone had their coffees with them. So yeah, it was kind of 
We got another comment here from uh, from Ian Myers who says on the episode definitely uh, didn't age well as speaking to next week's episode, the storyteller at all. I think that the uh, entertainment factor is there on rewatch though. Appreciate the invite next week, fellas, depending on how the week goes, I'll take you up on that. Keep up the good work. Thanks Ian. We appreciate it. Join us on um, the uh, shuttlecraft. Yeah. 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 Friend. Here, here. I think, or yeah, they're all named after rivers. Yeah. Right. Yukon. I liked the Yukon cause it was like the Canadian one. Uh, I don't know if we're getting Jeff back um, at this point. I was, we were kind of ready to sign off, but we were just kind of uh, uh, burning time here while uh, while we were waiting for him to come back. But um, I don't know if he's coming back. You know, I don't, we don't we don't want to keep you, but if you you know if you want to hang around, uh, you can. I guess I should we I give him another minute or so and then after that i'll just give the sign off uh as mentioned uh we have uh coming up here uh this uh friday night actually is the uh the next performance jane playing captain Catherine janeway uh as well uh as lieutenant belana torres jessica played the doctor uh and 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 tuvok and oh wait wait until you get a, a hang on my neelix jameel it's gonna be great i'm eagerly awaiting it Yes, and my cast is maybe oh, and I'm just going. I'm going way out of the box with Tom Paris. <laughs> oh, Tom. oh, power! Power went out where Jeff is. That's what happened. Ooh. Rolling so, blackout, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I had a black. I had one today. Um, oh, sorry, that's the wrong button. Um, okay, well then, in that case, maybe we just have to sign off. Yeah. Uh, he has let, to reboot uh, everything, and he has to Windows reboot everything. Can be a fickle, fickle thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Well. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, everybody, comment. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, check out our other shows that we do throughout the week. We on Thursdays we do uh, original series rewatches, and, uh, and that's a lot of fun. And um, I can't recall which one we're doing next, but it's uh, I can figure it out in four seconds. Hold on. Yep. Um, and uh, then you have what the um, radio theater on um, Saturday, so everyone should check that out. And yeah. then once every it's once every month, right? You have trivial uh, debates on Sundays, which is always entertaining. The always end, of, entertaining. the last Sunday of every month. Yeah, we do the trivial yeah. debates. Uh, Jeff's hosting this next one, so get ready for that. And yeah, and we have the Super Mater Brothers podcasting uh, channel where we do Survivor. Uh, if we, if there was a Big Brother, I think we'd at least be doing a once a week recap or something like that. But... You're gonna get Big Brother soon. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be happening. Yeah, it looks like it sounds like it's gonna happen. So we're gonna be doing that. Or oh, we did Westworld, and uh, oh, that that's kind of where we do non Trek but TV related stuff. So have you checked out Warrior Nun yet? Uh, which one? Warrior Nun. Warrior Nun. No, it just recently came out on Netflix um buffy-esque um so i just cleared oh. through it okay through it. yeah i got so i have so much other stuff i need to watch uh, including uh hamilton i have a, a the, check that out uh, i i haven't actually, seen hamilton either yeah i i i want to see it and uh, i also have birds of prey actually i haven't seen yet either so i'm planning to watch that wait the uh, movie or the tv show the the, the movie I watched okay. the TV show at the time, okay. though. I was a de <laughs> I was a devout Birds of Prey watcher. Then they took it away. They canceled it. Okay. Well, they made I reference to it. I think they made reference to it on the um, the most recent crossover for the uh, yeah in the, the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, she totally yeah. shows up, Huntress, and she totally yeah. gets wiped out by it. <laughs> Bye. You're like, oh no, she's gone. Yeah, yeah. Remember <laughs> that show? They would never bring it back. Well, it's dead. It's in the race. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, okay, well, thanks everyone. Uh, check uh, check us out Thursday. Check us out Friday for the, the radio theater. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Live long and podcast, everyone. Till next time. Bye. Oh, thank you.